Hey, this is Pastor Madison. I am so excited that you're tuning in today to the Crosspoint Podcast. My prayer is that this word inspires you, uplifts you, and enlightens you. You can connect with Movement Youth on Instagram at movement underscore youth or the Point College Ministry at the Point College. Let's jump into the message. All right, I think most of us are all seated. Can we give it up for Coach Roberson one more time? That was awesome. Thank you so much. That was amazing. Uh, Also, congrats to the candy corn guesser. Who won that one again? Who was it? Yes, Olivia. Let's give it up for Olivia again. And then the first, second, and third place uh, pumpkin decorators. Raise your hand. Uh, That's a lot of talent. So, so good job. So as you know, the season of fall is officially upon us. And during this season, you might see people setting, you know, pumpkins out or going to the apple orchard or, you know, getting their Halloween costumes. And my husband Tyler is very excited because he's going to be Prince Ali this year. We're going to go as a family of Aladdin. Um, and I got a monkey costume for our nine-month-old, and she absolutely hates it. So I don't know what we're going to do there. Like, she just spot, she screams when I put her in it. Uh, but Tyler's very excited about Prince Ali, and, and that'll be great. Uh, but it's also a time this season of fall where a lot of scary things are going on, right? Like, you've got haunted houses, and some people go in the scary costumes, or you've got scary Halloween movies. It's just kind of a scary season. And the reason why a lot of things are scary is because there's uncertainty, there are unknowns with scary things. Like scary things, uh, usually it's like you're waiting for something to happen, or there's something that's like around the corner, you don't know what it is, but you know there's something's there. That's why when you go to a haunted house, you're on edge, because you're like, the guy with the chainsaw is somewhere, I just don't know when he's going to pop out, or you know, when he's going to come. Or when you're watching a scary movie, your, your palms are sweaty, because you're like, There's a bad guy that's about to pop out. I just don't know when, right? It's the unknown that makes things scary. And college is a time with a lot of unknowns, right? Like, will I find my future spouse? I don't know. What will I, you know, will I know what I want to do with my life? I don't know. Will I know what to pick for a major? I don't know. Who will I sit in the mensa with? I don't know. Right? So there's, there's all these unknowns, and there's so much suspense uh, because there's this, un- this uncertainty in the season. So it can be a very scary season. And that is the title of tonight's message called Scary Season. Let's go ahead and pray before we dive in. Oh, God, thank you for, thank you for who you are. Thank you that we have the opportunity to just worship you tonight. And I thank you for these students. I I just thank you and I praise you for them because it's so cool to see students getting away from the hustle and bustle of campus and just taking a minute to just pause and to, to get closer to you and to worship you. And so, God, I just pray that in this moment, if there's any hearts that are not prepared, if there's any minds that are really not here, they're thinking about their homework, I just pray, God, right now, would you just bring uh, this this peace and the, would you just settle in the room right now and just bring your Holy Spirit to, to rest on us so that we can just tune into what you want to do because we're not here for uh, any other reason but for you. And so just just help me step out of the way, God, and just speak through me and, and penetrate the hearts of these students tonight. In your name we pray, amen. 
So I thought I could start off by telling you some scary moments of my scary season at uh, Warburg College, and maybe some of you will relate to this. So I went into my freshman year at Warburg as a golfer, and so obviously I was on the golf team, you know, got to be part of a team and all that, and got to move in early. And in high school, I was like super involved, a four-sport athlete, got great grades, like a lot of people that go to Warburg, you know, we're just made up of like superstars. Um, and so a lot of my identity, who I was, was wrapped in, wrapped up in what I achieved. So when the golf season, you know, thing, I, I just, I ended up not really loving it. And when that happened, it kind of sent me into a little bit of like a spiral um, because I'm like, I never quit anything in high school. And now I just, I don't want to do this anymore. And so it was kind of a scary season. I actually considered transferring because I was just, I had this identity wrapped up in this achievement. And when, so when that, you know, source of achievement wasn't what I thought it was, that was pretty scary. And then to top it off, my roommate and I, we really, you know, didn't click, like we didn't jive. There was, there was never like a falling out or anything. Like we never got in a major argument. Uh, but everybody said, when you move in, like, you're going to find your best friends in college. And so I was like, what am I doing wrong? Like, what's wrong with me that, you know, I'm not finding my best friend in my roommate? Uh, you know, and especially when you're a freshman and you don't get along with your roommate, it's like, literally, who do I go to the mental with? Like, who do I go sit by right away in the first couple of weeks? So that was kind of scary. And then to top it off, I did not know what I wanted to do with my life. Does anybody, you know, relate to that? Anybody not know what they want to do with their lives? It's fine. You will, you will figure it out. Okay, everything will work out, and it'll be fine. Um, but I changed my major. I don't even know how many times. Like, count. I mean, I was, I was very friendly with the people on registrar because they knew my face. Um, so not knowing what I wanted to do with my life, that was scary. And then during my freshman year, I broke up with my uh, boyfriend at the time, and so I was a free woman. And this, this, <laughs> this guy's shaking his head. I'm sorry, it's funny. Um, I was a free woman, and this guy from, um, from high school back in my hometown, he started to take an interest in me. And so he invited me to this party. And he, as soon as we got to the party, completely avoided me. Like, didn't talk to me, just went off with his friends. And so I was super uncomfortable. And I, like, I didn't drink in high school or anything, or I didn't go to parties. Um, so I was kind of new to the whole, like, you know, party thing. And I got to this party, and they had this thing called Jungle Juice. And I thought, uh, you know, that sounds pretty good. I don't really know what it all is. And so I just started drinking it because I was really, you know, kind of by myself, uncomfortable. And then there was fruit in it. So then I was like, oh, you know, I could eat some fruit. So I ate fruit to the point of blacking out and not remembering it and having people hold my hair back. So that was pretty scary. And obviously, you know, uh, I didn't I, – that that didn't work out with that guy. I was no longer interested after that. And he, um, yeah, it was just, it was, it was over. And then, uh, you know, a month or two after that, Tyler and I met and we started dating. Every, everything was amazing. <laughs> yeah, you did not do that to me. Um, but Tyler started, we actually, my, so we met my freshman year in January and we, so our story is that I tried out for the dance team on a whim, just randomly. I was like, I'm just going to do the dance team. Found out that you had to have a guy partner for it. Like there was a co-ed dance and you needed to find a guy partner. So I was this single freshman girl, like only a weirdo is going to want to dance in, with me in front of people in, at the halftime of a basketball game. And I found my weirdo. It was Tyler Metcalf. Uh, but anyways, I remember my freshman year, we would actually, we had a class in the science center, and it was, we weren't in the same class, it was two different classes, but I, I don't know if he did this, 
but he did. Okay, he's nodding his head. We would both time it up, like our walks, so that we would both walk into the science center together so we could see each other, you know, and we're like, if he was still in class, I would wait for him. But, you know, if I, I saw him because he lived off campus, so he would park in the lot across the street. And I, and I was coming from the middle of campus, and so I'd just, like, slow down my walk if, I, if he wasn't there yet. Or I'd walk really fast if he was, like, closer and stuff. Uh, so it was great, and it was exciting. And then a couple of months in, uh, it was kind of ugly. Uh, we just kind of hit a rough patch. And so that rough patch was kind of scary. And then every single year there was some sort of roommate drama, okay? Girls can be scary. And I found myself proclaiming to be a Christian, yet letting the fear of different insecurities and things in my life keep me from living like Christ. And so I would do things like, you know, I, I would tell my friends, my roommates, like, I think it's really important to have sex before marriage. I, I, I had this conversation. I think it's really important to have sex before marriage because then you know, like, if, if it's good, like, if, if, you know, if, if it is going to work out. And then I had, after that conversation, one of my roommates actually was engaged and she had sex with um, the, the fiance that she, you know, they hadn't yet. And she did. And then their engagement got broken off. And then not only that, you know, I was proclaimed to be this Christian, yet I was still doing things like uh, at Castle Capers during homecoming, I emceed it, and I was up on stage, and I would say, I would say things like, "The tortoises are getting more action than the students on campus," and you might, you know, think, "Oh, that's kind of funny," and I did too at the time. But looking back, like that was kind of scary that I said that, or I'd pressure somebody into drinking uh, that you know didn't want to drink. I didn't do that a lot. I just remember one time me doing that, and that's pretty scary to look back on. And I feel like I just kind of like opened up my heart to you, right? Like I just, I kind of just laid it out there and I told you some deep dark secrets about myself. But I just want you to know that I know that this season can be scary. And when we're scared, we do some crazy things. Like when we're scared that he won't, you know, like us, then we sleep with him. Or when we're scared that we're going to miss out, then we, we got to get to the party. When we're scared that we won't be fun, then we drink more. When we're scared we won't find better, we stay in like a eh, okay relationship. When we're scared, we don't have the answer to our entire future. We just say something and pick something that is going to really impress people and make us a lot of money. When we're scared of not knowing who we truly are, we start to seek validation and security from the world. College is a scary season. So what happens when you get scared? Like what actually happens in your body, in your brain when you get scared? When we get scared, there's an area in our brain that's responsible for reasoning and judgment. And that, when we're scared, it becomes impaired. Okay, so now it's difficult to make good decisions or think clearly. And if we're constantly in a state of fear, it means that we're constantly in a state of not thinking clearly because we start to rely more on our feelings than the facts. And did you know that when, when you get scared, there's actually hormones that get released that in your body that can reduce your hearing and cause tunnel vision, okay? When you get scared, that happens. So it's no wonder why in this season, sometimes it's really hard to hear from God or have a bigger perspective. And some of you are like, no, I'm, I'm not. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm really, I'm not scared. You know, the season doesn't seem that scary. And that's okay because um, it's a very common thing to want to hide our fear. 
We don't want people to know that we care about what they think or that we fear that we're not enough or that we don't measure up. A lot of us like to hide our fear. We like to hide behind other things to mask it. So if you're not afraid of being enough, then you're going to hide behind achievement, okay? If you're afraid of not being good-looking enough, then you might take a lot of selfies. You might hide behind taking a lot of selfies. And there's actually uh, medical authorities are linking the taking of too many pictures of yourself to mental health issues because it's low self-esteem and narcissism and attention-seeking behavior that's causing you to want to post these pictures, okay? So that it, it, may, it may look like a thing that is so, you know, gratified and just applauded, but it's actually a sign uh, that maybe you're dealing with some fear of, you know, insecurity or not being enough or not looking good enough. Um, if you're afraid of commitment, you might hide behind talking to multiple people. And what I love about the Bible, what I love about the Word of God is that it gives us stories of people who have already gone through what we've gone through, okay? And so we can learn from these people in this book and apply it to our lives. And so that's exactly what we're going to do tonight. We're going to uh, learn from this guy who dealt with fear, okay? And his name was Gideon. And like I said, he, he dealt with fear back in the day. And wouldn't you know it, the story of this guy starts out with him hiding. <laughs> he's hiding uh, because he is fearful. And the reason that he's hiding is because there's an enemy that he's anticipating. There's an unknown. He knows that this enemy is going to come against him and attack him, but uh, it's just around the corner. And so there's this suspense. And that's why he is a little afraid and why he's fearful, just like you guys in this season. There's a little bit of some unknowns. There's a suspense. And so what happened at this point in time, just to kind of give you some context, okay, um, the people that this guy was with, they were called Israel or the Israelites, and they would work so hard and they would grind and they would strive and they would finally produce a harvest, okay? They would finally get some fruit from their labor. And then this enemy, they were called the Midianites, the Midianites would come and they would sneak in and take everything that those people worked hard for. So when it came time to reap what they sowed, the enemy would just be right there to take it from them. And so these people were in full-on, straight-up survival mode. And I think a lot of college students right now are in straight-up, full-on survival mode, too. Because every time God wants to bless you with the harvest, with blessings, you just let the enemy come in and take it. And so you work, and you strive, and you grind, but you never enjoy this season or the blessings in this season because it's never enough. Because there's always going to be another test. Because there's always going to be another game. Because there's always going to be another guy or another girl. And you find yourself saying things like, okay, if I just get through this week, if I just get through today, if I get through this test, if I get through this semester, and if you're not careful, you're going to go your whole life in survival mode, never once enjoying the blessings that God has for you in this season. And that is scary. So these people, they have everything taken from them, okay? These, these, this Israel, these Israelites, they have everything taken from them. And with all the humiliation, the, the fruitless labor, they're working so hard, but they have nothing to show for it. The, the domination of this enemy, Israel finally cries out to God. They make that decision. We need to cry out to God because just what we're doing is not working. But their prayer 
that they prayed, it was their last resort instead of their first reaction. And in college, the season that you guys are in, you've got a lot of other things that you can turn to. So God is not always your number one priority, okay? But I, I, have, I have six points that I want to take you through tonight. And like Coach Roberson said, your faith is not some linear thing, okay? But, but these six things, if you're dealing with fear and you think through these, these six things, I think it can get you beyond that fear, okay? So step number one is that you need to have a come to Jesus moment, okay? You need to have a come to Jesus moment. That means that you need to make an intentional decision that you are going to follow Jesus Christ who came and died for you so that you can have an abundant life. And that doesn't mean just knowing who God is, okay? Before I've said even the enemy knows who God is. That's not enough for you. It means having a moment where you choose to have that intimate relationship with Jesus, okay? So even though it was great that Israel, these people, were, were crying out to God, that, that's great that they made that decision to come to God, but they were not taking any responsibility for what was going on, for the enemy coming in. They just started complaining and crying out to God, and what they didn't realize is that the reason why the enemy was coming in and taking everything is because of their sin. It was because of their problem. Because we will not always point our fingers at other people for the problems in our own lives. Well, that professor just sucks. Okay, well, did you, did you review for that test this weekend? Or were you just in recovery mode? Or he's just such a jerk. Okay, are you, are, why are you Snapchatting him every day then? So sweet. <laughs> okay. Step number two is to own up to your mistakes, okay? Admit you're wrong. <laughs> it's okay to be wrong. I think in this culture, in this, like, you know, this world right now, people are so afraid to fail. Failure is good because it's going to bring you back to the Lord, okay? It's okay to fail and then admit your mistakes. So don't be so prideful. Admit you're wrong. So, so these people cry out, you know, to God, and God hears Israel, and an angel comes to Gideon, this guy that is kind of the focal point of the story, and in Judges chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, it says, uh, when the angel appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And Gideon responded, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? The Lord has abandoned us. And I think some of you can have these moments in college where you're like, why, God? Like, why did you allow this to happen? And it's really easy to doubt God when things don't go our way. It's very scary. But in verse 14, it says, the Lord turned to him. He didn't even address it. He's like, he said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of this enemy's hand, out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? That's what God said. So God says, go, okay? You need to go. I don't need your back talk. I don't need your excuses. I need you to go because you are going to be the one that leads Israel out of the hand of the enemy. And Gideon's like, okay, God, yeah, um, I'm like the weakest, okay? Like I'm the least of my family. Like, I'm low on the totem pole in my family. And, and God says, I got you. Go. And the first thing that I need you to do is I need you to tear down your people's idols. Before you can defeat anyone or win any battle, I need you to remove these idols. And so step number three, point number three, is tear down your idols. Because you guys are going to have a lot of idol temptation in college. Okay, the idol of insecurity, the idol of accomplishment, the idol of drunkenness, the idol of comparison. So God's saying, hey, 
I want to use you, but first, uh, let's tear down some of these idols, okay? So Gideon, he went out at night. He went out at night because he was so scared that people were going to see him. So he went out at night and he tore down these, these people had physical idols, okay? And so he tore down these idols that these people were worshiping. And the people woke up the next morning and they were so mad. They, they instantly noticed that these idols weren't there. And here's just what I got to tell you and what you're signing up for. I want you to know that when you tear down your idols, people are going to notice. Okay? They're going to notice. And that is a good thing. So you're going to hear people say, like, come on. You always used to be so fun. Like, what happened? Okay. Um, there, there's fun that isn't getting blackout drunk on the weekend, okay? <laughs> or, like, come on, we always used to mess around. W- what's wrong with you? What's changed? Okay, well, I don't, I don't really want to, <laughs> I don't want to give myself to somebody who doesn't want me for me, okay? That's, those are good things that people are going to notice. So for you, tearing down your idols might mean to stop hanging around that group of people that just brings you down. It might mean unfollowing some people on Instagram that are stealing your joy because you keep comparing yourself to them. It, mean, it might mean deleting somebody off of Snapchat, okay? It might mean quitting some things. Quitting some things. You're not a quitter, but it might, might mean letting some things go so that you have a healthier balance of your priorities, okay? I tried a lot of things at Warper, and I did not stick with all the things that I tried at Warper, okay? It, this is a good time for you to try things and leave things at the door if they don't align with your priorities. It might mean throwing out the, the pills or the cans, okay? Some people won't be happy with you when you tear down your idols, but you were never made to make everybody happy. So when it was time for Gideon to get ready, uh, you know, to fight this enemy, before he did that, he started to doubt all of a sudden. He's like, hey, God, I'm going to need a couple signs that I can actually do this because I, I, don't, I don't think that I'm the guy. Like, I don't think you really want me to do this. Can you just give me a couple signs? And God was patient with Gideon, and he extended grace to Gideon's doubt. He provided security to Gideon's insecurity. And when you begin to doubt who you are, okay, when you begin to doubt what God wants you to be, be careful who you turn to. Because too many of us are going to people that make us more insecure instead of to the one who can provide us the the security that we need, okay? Step number four, point number four, deal with your doubt. Deal with your doubt. Because the doubt is going to come. That is a part of faith. So if you're struggling with doubt, you do not need to feel bad about it. It means that you have an opportunity to lean into what God is trying to teach you right now. So don't, don't just run away from the doubt. Don't just run away from those fears. Address the worries. Address the doubt. Address the questions that are going on in your life and replace it with truth. Because when you have faith, you're, faith, you're, you're believing in something that you don't see. So it is natural that you are going to have. But when you experience that, address it, talk to God about it, and deal with it. Because when Gideon was experiencing these doubts about himself, he could have just ran away and been like, I'm done. I'm not going to do this. You're, I, I'm not the guy that you want. But instead he said, hey, God, I, I'm questioning you right now. <laughs> I'm doubting you right now. I'm doubting myself right now. Can you please help me? Can you please send me a sign? And that is perfectly okay. We should do the same exact thing. And then because of his divine power that was on Gideon, because God said, Gideon, like, I choose you. Because of the divine empowering that was on Gideon, he just 
on a short notice, had 32,000 people that signed up to be a part of his army. 32,000 people that wanted to be on his side in this army. And so Judges 7 verse 3 says that 32,000 men came to follow Gideon into battle. And his army of 32,000, that seems like a lot to me. I don't know about you. 32,000, that's a lot. But it was overmatched by the enemy, the Midianites. They had 135,000 people. So they were already outnumbered, which is pretty scary. But God said, hey, um, hey Gideon, uh, your army is, is too big. And he commanded that Gideon cut his army. And he said, I want you to send everybody who's afraid. Just tell them to go home. They don't need to fight. It'll be fine. And so Gideon was left with 10,000 men. And the reason why God did this, the reason why God said, hey, you need to go from 30, 32,000 to 10,000, is because he knew that these people would take the credit for themselves. Because they would have been able to say with 32,000, oh, we were, we were just the underdogs. And because of our strength and because of our strategy, we were able to overcome the enemy. We were. And they would take the credit. And so God wanted the odds to be so bad that people would look around and be like, only God. Only God could have done this. But 10,000 wasn't even small enough for this army. God said, hey, um, hey Gideon, uh, I, need, I need the army to be even smaller. And I'm going to tell you who I want. Um, and there's going to be about 300. 300. 300. You go from 32,000 to 300 people in this army. So that's kind of scary. So step, step number five is to obey his call. Obey his call. Because once you come to know Christ, guys, once you come to know Christ, once you repent of the sin in your life, once you tear down some of your idols and you, and you deal with the doubt and you're going to God with that, he is going to use you in huge ways. Like, he's going to use you in mighty, mighty ways. He's going to call you to do some huge things for him. But some of these things that he calls you to, they're going to look crazy. Like, hey, I know you've been studying for the past four years to go into pre-law, but actually I want you to go overseas and be a missionary. Or, hey, I know that you have been saving up for that new car, but I want you to give that money that you've been saving to that homeless guy on the street. Or, hey, I know that you guys are, you know, you, you've been dating for a long time, but this is not the person for you. And, and I want to stir your spirit because you need to break it off. He's going to call you to do crazy things. And you can either lean into that or you can run from that. You know, Tyler and I, we went to Tennessee a couple weeks ago. We were at this conference. And... It's just a couple moments where God just was calling me to to do something, calling me to obey him. And one of them was they opened up the doors this last night to the service, and um, they said, anybody, you can invite literally anybody to come to the service. And it was a conference where there was amazing worship and an awesome message. And Tyler and I just got done eating at a nice restaurant, walking by all these homeless people to go to our conference, and here I am, a pastor, not inviting a single soul to come to this conference, and so I sat in that conference, and the music started playing, and the worship, and the lights, and everything was amazing, and God was just like, what are you doing? 
You need to go. You need to go. And so worship started, the conference is going, and I just think I told her, I'm like, we just got to go. So we go out. And guess what? We got turned down. <laughs> it's okay. I obeyed his call. And then at that same conference, there was a girl uh, that was just greeting. Like We just saw her the first night. She was just greeting, and she, um, she just stood out to me for some reason. I don't know why. But I kept seeing her everywhere in the sea of these, you know, thousands of people. I just kept seeing this girl. And God just kept saying, you need to go tell her that she shines the light of Christ. You need to go tell her that she shines the light of Christ. So the, <laughs> the worship was over at this point of the day. The message was, you know, in process. You need to go now. And, and I'm, I'm somebody who talks about God for a living and tells his people <laughs> about God for a living, and yet there was this hesitancy because sometimes it is very scary to obey his call. So I went over to this girl, and I said, hey, I just want you to know that you shine the light of Christ. And I, and I asked her, you know, about her life a little bit, and I ended up praying over her, and it was awesome. But sometimes God is going to call you guys to do things that are crazy, that are big. And I didn't plan on sharing this, but I'm just going to share it because I just feel like it's a moment that, that I want to share. The only reason that I'm a pastor is because I obeyed God's call. When I was um, my first year out of college in 2019, I got this job and I hated it. I absolutely hated it. And there was actually a position open at Warburg that I thought that God was going to have for me. It was his plan. And then I got a call at work after a terrible day at this job that I hated. Hey, we just have a feeling that um, if we hire you, that you're not, you're going to like leave soon. Like there's going to be something bigger and better for you. And so we, we don't want to hire somebody who's only going to be here for a short amount of time. And I was like, what? How do you, you don't, you don't know my life. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know the future. And I remember that day because obviously that happened and my parents sent me a cookie to work that said, sorry, your day sucked, because it did. And around that time when all that crap was happening, God, in the middle of my kitchen on my way out, said, I need you to give away this specific amount of money to the church. And I was like, well, what, what's going on? You know, what, what do you want me to give it to? And he said, the church office remodel. And I was like, you're kidding me. I'm going to pay for an office remodel. Like, what? Why can't I give it to kids in Africa or something, right? He's like, I need you to give this money away. Like, I need you to release this. And so I told God, I said, hey, if it comes down to the church, because he gave me a specific number in my head. I said, if it comes down to the church needing this exact amount, this exact amount, then, then I will give it. I will give it away, but only, like, I'm Gideon, right? I'm doubting. Like, send me a sign that very next Sunday. They get up on stage, and this goal that they were trying to raise for this office remodel, they were, they were down. They were away from this goal by the exact amount that God put on my heart to give. And so I call Pastor Jonathan the day before I'm putting my two weeks in at the job I hated, and I didn't really have a, a solid 
plan of what I was going to do with my life. At that point, I just knew I was, I was done. I wasn't supposed to work there anymore. Uh, you know, something else was out there. And so the day before I put my two weeks in, scared half to death, called Pastor John. Then I said, hey, I got I to gotta do this. Well, first of all, I said, hey, has anybody given anything? <laughs> like, has anybody given anything? Because, it, you know, if it's not the exact amount, then I have it out kind of a thing. And he's like, nobody has given a dime. So I was like, okay, I got to obey his call. I got to do this. And so I gave him, I gave the church this money. I wrote a check and brought it in. And then shortly after, they said, hey, uh, we want to we wanna give you a tour of the office remodel, of, of the, you know, the money that this paid for. We want to give you a tour of this. And so Tyler and I were walking through, and as we were walking through, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, this is going to be your office someday. And I looked at Tyler when we walked out, and I said, hey, God told me this is going to be my office someday. And so I, I go to work at this other place, and I'm working there, and God just has this tugging because that's just what he does. He tugs and he tugs and he tugs and he calls you to things. And God was calling me and tugging me and saying, hey, you need to pray about this. You need to pray about this. I'm like, why am I still praying about this, this money that I gave away? Like, I'm, I, I, don't, I don't want it back. Why, why do I need to pray about this? And I'm sitting at this new job at work four months in, and Pastor Jonathan, the lead pastor at this church, calls me and says, hey, we want you to be the full-time college and youth pastor at Cross Point Church. And that office became my office. And, and the pay raise from this job compared to my last job was the exact amount of money that God told me to give. That's why you obey his call. Because the details and the plan and the purpose that he has for your life is so much bigger than what you could draw up for yourself. And the thing about being called is that God does not want the most successful people. Okay, with Gideon, the reason why he narrowed it down to 300 is because he chose the least warrior-like men. He wants humble people, not prideful people, after a victory. God knew that if he had the army he had, if he had the numbers he had, then these people would, would not give God the victory. Because here's a straight fact. Selfish people do not last long in serving God. And I'm just telling you, the enemy likes to sneak in in this scary season because it's also a selfish season. Because you're thinking about your plans and your future and your relationships and your classes and your tests and your success. But God does not want most impressive, most successful people of the world to do his will because they're going to take the credit for themselves. He doesn't need selfish. He needs servants. So this is the last point, and it's to give glory to God. Give glory to God. Because in our low seasons, it's easy, it's easy to reach out to God when we're desperate, when you know, when we're so rock bottom, when we're so hopeless, I pray you don't have that moment, but it's so easy to be like, not, nothing else is working, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call out to you. It's really easy to do that when we are at a low point. When things are going great, it's easy to forget who brought you there. And this is the greatest battle ever with Gideon. It's the greatest battle ever because these 300 men go up against these 135,000 Midianites. 
And they don't even have to fight. And it says in the Bible, they actually had fire in one hand. And the fire was so strong. What they had was so strong. The fire living inside of them, I'm talking, not the physical fire they were holding, was so strong that the enemy started fighting themselves. And look, once you know who you are and who you're fighting for, the enemy will know that he does not have a place in your life. In Judges chapter 7, verse 12, it says, While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran crying out as they fled. The enemy is going to flee when you take a stand for the Lord. And so Gideon obviously came out victorious, and so there's going to be a slide with all of these steps. And you know what's kind of funny is that if you look at the first letter, it spells hot dog, which doesn't have anything to do with anything, but I thought that that was pretty funny. Maybe you'll remember it. Hot dog, hot dog, hot diggity dog, right? So the season of college may be a scary season. It may not be as scary as facing an army of 135,000, but it is scary. But my prayer for you tonight is that you don't just go through this time and the rest of your life constantly in a state of survival mode and scary mode. My hope is that tonight, hopefully, hopefully, that you would just do number one up there and have a come to Jesus moment. I hope that you choose to know Jesus as someone that you can have an actual relationship with. And then my hope is that you surround yourself with people who will help you do all the other steps. That you'll get in some sort of small group or a Bible study with people that will encourage you to own up to your mistakes, to tear down your idols, to deal with your doubt, to obey his call, and to give God the glory. Because things are not as scary when you know that you always have a Savior. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes tonight? tonight if you're feeling like I've been I've been in survival mode and I don't want to live that way anymore and I'm tired of constantly fearing the unknown and having this sense of just fear scariness I'm tired of fearing what my future holds I'm tired of not knowing who I am I just want someone to show me I want someone to guide me I don't want to just know that Jesus is there when I actually have a relationship with him I want him to be my savior tonight I want to have this moment that I am signifying that, Jesus, I'm following you. I, I don't want all the things that this world has to offer because when I go to things of this world, it's only going to make me more insecure. Even if I do feel secure, it's only for a moment. But with you, Lord, you provide the security and the safety and the identity that I want. And I want to obey your call. So if that's you tonight and you're saying, Jesus Christ, this is my moment where I am choosing to follow you with my whole heart. Are you, maybe you've wandered away and you've been in survival mode and you've been going around to all these other options in the world, but you're saying, tonight I want to come back to the living God, to Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for me so that I could have an abundant life. That's you tonight. I'm just going to ask that on the count of three that you would raise your hands to say, hey, God, I'm choosing you tonight. You are my Savior tonight and every day after this. If that's you, would you just raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Raise your hand tonight. If tonight is your night where you're saying, Jesus, I'm all in. You can put those hands down. We're all going to say a prayer together. Can you just repeat after me and mean it with your whole heart? Say, dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die for me 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for your love. I am sorry. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. Please forgive me. Help me tear down my idols. Help me deal with my doubt. Help me obey your call. And help me give you the glory. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's all give God praise tonight for what he's done. If you enjoyed today's message, I would encourage you to like it or share it on social media. Movement Youth for 6th through 12th graders meets on Wednesday nights, and the Point College Ministry meets on Sunday nights. We would love to have you join us. Thanks for tuning in.